0: But today we're continuing our message series, which is entitled, Jesus Offers Hope. And so Jesus offers hope to those who do not yet know him. Jesus offers hope to believers as well. There are times in our lives when life is difficult. There are times when uh, things happen, things go, go wrong, when we don't know what the future holds, when we're tempted to worry or fear. But Jesus is there, even in those times. And He offers hope to us. And through faith, as He offers that hope to us, through faith we accept His gift of hope and encouragement into our lives. And so this morning, no matter what you're going through, and each of us is going through different things in life, no matter what you're going through today, God wants you, God wants to give you His hope. Psalm 34, 6 says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And so we can have hope because when we're in troubles, we can pray, and God will hear our prayers and deliver us. Lamentations 3 says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And so we can have hope knowing that God loves us. We can have hope knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from his mercy. And so today, we're going to continue in our series and talk about Jesus' encounter with somebody else who needs hope. And our message is called Seeing the Light. We're going to be looking at a story from John chapter 9. I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. You can follow along on the outline there. It's a story about a man born blind. And so let's just think for a moment about what that man's life might have been like when a man is born blind he's never seen the light everything has always been darkness he's never seen another person's face he's never seen his parents face he's never seen the light of the sun he's never seen anything at all he has no idea what the world looks like and this man as we go through the story we'll see he was still living with his parents his parents were helping to care for him In those days, there was no technology to assist a blind person. There wasn't Braille. There wasn't talking computers. The only way to earn a living was simply to sit by the side of the road and beg. And undoubtedly, that's what the man did, begging others to give him money. It was a life of despair. It was a life of hopelessness. It was a life of darkness. Now, in the book of John, the whole concept of light and darkness plays a, a a great role in the writing of this gospel. John begins in verse 4 and 5. It says, "In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so we learn that Jesus is the light of the world. The world is steeped in darkness. It's It's filled with people who are living in darkness, and yet, most of them don't know that they're living in darkness. Now, this blind man knew that he was living in darkness, but people who live in spiritual darkness don't usually realize that they are living in darkness. They can't see the spiritual reality of God in their life. They can't see the purpose that God has for their lives. They stumble in the darkness. They can't see the things that, the sin that is tripping them up, and when they stumble, they hurt themselves. They fall and hurt themselves, and they fall and they hurt other people. But today, God wants to give each one of us hope, and he wants to have us take the hope that we have and give it to other people as well. And how is that hope transmitted? Well, as believers, the light of Christ lives inside of us, and as we let that light shine forth, it attracts other people to that light and draws them to Jesus. And I pray that God would use his word today to give each of us hope in our lives, and help us to prepare to pass that hope on to others. So as we look at this story in John chapter 9, the first principle that we want to focus on is that miracles, Jesus is going to do a miracle, miracles bring God glory. Our story begins in verse 1 of chapter 9. It says, as he, that's Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Now we've already talked about what life for this man is. Was like. And yet, even as Jesus was passing by, he noticed this blind man undoubtedly begging some kind of a container, holding it out, asking for donations on the side of the road. And Jesus stopped. Why did Jesus stop? Well, Jesus knew that every need is an occasion for a miracle. Every need that he saw was an occasion for God's power to meet that need. A miracle that would bring glory to God. The disciples, on the other hand, they weren't thinking about miracles when they saw the blind man. They were seeking to lay blame for the man's condition. They thought that every sickness, including the blindness of that man, must have been caused by somebody's sin. But Jesus is going to show us that sickness is not always caused by sin. And so the disciples ask him in verse 2, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so the disciples believed that this man's condition was caused by sin, either the sin of the man or his parents. Now, my my first question for the disciples would be, how, how could sin be the cause of this man who was born blind? Do unborn babies sin? I don't know what they were thinking. The question doesn't make any sense to me. But rather than having compassion on this man, rather than seeking to to help him, the disciples were seeking to blame somebody. And Jesus clearly responds that this man's condition, the blindness that he was born with, was not a result of his sin, how could it be, or his parents' sin. The man's blindness had been allowed by God so that God could work a miracle. And now we know from other teaching of Jesus that sometimes sickness is caused by a person's sin. And so we can't say when we see a sickness whether it's caused by sin or not. It may be in some case and not in others. In this case, it was not caused by sin. So how did Jesus respond to the man's blindness? Well, Jesus brought light into the darkness. Jesus said to him in verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And so Jesus, the light of the world, was now going to work a miracle of healing for the blind man. Now in those days, it was thought that the saliva of an important person was, was considered to have healing power. And so what Jesus did here in that culture was not totally foreign to their thinking. But the miracle was not in the saliva. The miracle was not in the mud. The miracle was in the power of the Spirit working in and through Jesus. Now, as we read the story, the account carefully, we see that the miracle did not happen immediately, did it? Jesus anointed him with this mud, and then he told him to do something. He said, go wash in this pool of Siloam, the man had to do something. He had to obey in order for the healing to be manifest. And so we have the sent one. Jesus was sent from heaven to earth, sending this man, this blind man whose eyes now had mud over them, to a pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so the man went. He obeyed Jesus, he washed his eyes in this pool, and his eyes were opened. He could see again. And he came back to Jesus, seeing for the first time in his life. Jesus had become the light of the world for this man. His entire existence had been radically altered for the better. Jesus had worked a miracle, and it would bring God glory. Now let's think about our lives for a minute. When do we need miracles in our lives? We need miracles in our lives when we're in difficult situations, when there are things going on that we can't see a solution for. We say, God, we need a miracle. If, our lives, if in our lives everything is going great, we think we can handle everything, we don't have a care in the world, then we have no need for God, or we think we have no need for God, and we think we have no need for miracles. But we always need God in our lives. And so God allows difficulties to come into our lives. He allows difficulties to come into the lives of other people. Why? So that he can work a miracle in people's lives and receive glory by and through it. And so we need to have the attitude of Jesus. Every difficulty, every problem, every sickness is an opportunity for God to work a miracle. We need to have that attitude for our own lives. Difficult times, God, we need you to work a miracle. We need to have that attitude for other people's lives that we see. We see somebody in difficulty, it's like, oh, man, I don't know. We say, no. That's an opportunity to pray and to see God work a miracle in that person's life. A miracle that will dispel the darkness and bring the light of Jesus into every situation and every life. And so not only do miracles bring glory to God, miracles cause controversy. Miracles caused controversy back then. Miracles cause controversy today. Many denominations believe that God no longer works miracles today as he did in the Bible. Some believe that even the miracles in the Bible are not true. And this miracle of Jesus we're reading about today caused controversy 2,000 some years ago. The neighbors doubted the miracle. Verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. The man's neighbors didn't know what to think. No one had ever seen or even heard of a man born blind being able to see. And so some doubted. The miracle had happened. They tried to explain it away. They said, well, this can't be the same man because he was born blind. He sees now, and so that can't be the same man. And and others said that, that it was the same man. And he said, I am the man. And so they were debating and disputing. The man gave his testimony, as we'll see throughout the story, that indeed he was the man who was blind, the blind beggar. Religious leaders accused Jesus. Verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, speaking of Jesus, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. And so some of the religious uh, uh, Jewish leaders who were legalistic, they were not concerned about the man or the miracle at all. Jesus had healed the blind man. When did he love to do his miracles? On the Sabbath, uh, because it kind of irritated the religious leaders, but he was making a point. The religious leaders taught that one could do no work at all on the Sabbath. It was a very rigid rule you, you could only you couldn 't lift anything over so many pounds, you couldn 't walk further than so long, and all it had all these rules what it meant to work on the Sabbath, and of course, to heal somebody, oh, that was working on the Sabbath, so it couldn 't be of God. Since Jesus healed on the Sabbath, he must be a sinner. And they went on and on. Some of the leaders thought, well, how could he do this if he was a sinner? Because it was hard to deny that a true miracle had happened. And so rather than accepting what Jesus had done, these leaders began accusing Jesus of sin for doing the very miracle that had brought sight to the blind man. Now, the man's parents denied knowing anything about it. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. They ask, people ask him, ask the parents, what happened here? And they go, we don't know. Why did they say they didn't know? They feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. And so the man's parents refused to answer any questions about the miracle. Uh, They said, go talk to him, because they were afraid If they did and said anything favorable to Jesus, they would be put out of the synagogue. And for the Jews at that time, the synagogue was not just a place of religious worship or a spiritual center. It was also their community. It was their government. In many senses, it was a family center. And so the parents directed all questionnaires uh, back to their son to protect themselves. Miracles caused controversy. Now, as I said, as we... We talked about missions. Life Church is part of the Assemblies of God, and we believe that the Bible clearly teaches that God worked has worked miracles all through history. He worked miracles in the ministry of Jesus Christ in the past. He still works miracles today, and we know because the Bible tells us that he's going to continue to work miracles and he's going to continue to do so until Jesus returns again. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the blind man who was healed through a miracle is an example to each of us. And I'd encourage you to read the whole chapter of John chapter 9. It's kind of a long chapter, 40 verses. We don't have time to read all the verses this morning. Uh, But for each group of questioners, he was questioned by uh, Jewish leaders. He was questioned by uh, neighbors and There's a lot of verses about how he responded, and for each questioner, the healed man responded with courage and truthfulness. He was what a witness for Jesus should be like. Now, he didn't know the answer to every question. Sometimes he said, I don't know. But he did know the simple facts of what happened. A man named Jesus came. He was blind. He'd been blind since birth. And now he could see the healed man knew that what had happened to him was not by chance it wasn't through the work of anything else he knew that Jesus was the one who'd worked the miracle and that is what God calls us to be like as as witnesses simply sharing the story or the stories of what God has done in our lives to other people in none of us to my knowledge has been born blind and been healed but We each of us as believers has a story to tell. We have a story to tell of how Jesus has turned our lives from spiritual darkness to spiritual light. And for many of us, we have stories of miracles. Times in our lives when God has healed. Times in our lives when God has protected us. Times in our lives when God has provided for us. Times in our lives where God has guided us in different situations. And God wants us to give him glory by Sharing those stories as he gives us opportunities. And there might be controversy. Some people will believe your story. Other people will say that would have happened anyhow. I don't believe it. That's just the way it's going to be. Some people are going to believe we do it for the people who are going to believe. As we share our witness, some people are going to believe in Christ and some people aren't. But we continue to shine the light. Because miracles do change lives. Verse 24, for the second time they, that is the religious leaders, called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man, speaking of Jesus, is a sinner. He, the blind man, answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And so at this point, this man who had been blind really didn't know who Jesus was. He'd only interacted with him, it appears, on one occasion. The man was honest. He didn't know whether Jesus was a sinner or not. He did know one thing. He'd been blind, and now he could see. His life had been radically turned right side up from being a blind beggar. Now he could see a whole new world of light, a whole new world of possibilities, a whole new world of opportunities had been opened up to him, and it was as he appeared to be born again. And so he continued to discuss with the religious leaders, and we see that miracles emboldened him. He emboldened the healed one. He said in verse 32, Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And so the healed man realizes that the miracle that had happened in his life was profound. I mean, this was not like I had a cold and I got better. Okay? This, was, uh, this was something that had never been heard of. A man born blind being healed. And so the man boldly proclaimed that only somebody from God could work such a miracle. If Jesus was not from God, this miracle would not have happened. And so as we read the entire section, we we see that this blind beggar, undoubtedly almost completely uneducated, because how could he be educated? He couldn't see. Probably never had gone to school of any kind. He was uncovering the spiritual blindness of the religious leaders. And the leaders did not like to be exposed. They did not like this uneducated beggar teaching them. Darkness does not welcome light. And so miracles brought persecution. They answered him. The religious leaders answered the blind man who had been healed. You were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. And so these religious leaders seemed to accuse everybody except themselves of being sinners. Of course, they were the righteous ones. They decided who was a sinner and who was not. And they decided, well, this guy, he's trying to instruct us. He must be a sinner as well. And, uh, you know, they were undoubtedly accusing the man, I suppose, of sinning before birth in his mother's womb, bringing this condition upon himself. And they didn't want to listen to any of the things that he had to say. And so they put him out of the synagogue. And that was a severe persecution. Often the synagogue would help people. I don't know how much they helped him. Maybe they didn't help him much at all. But they, they were supposed to help people who were in difficulty that were part of the synagogue. And yet, now he could see and God would take care of him. Miracles do bring faith. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And so Jesus heard that the man had been healed and then cast out of the synagogue. And so Jesus went looking for him. And he finally found him and he asked the man, with the verses we skipped there, whether he believed in the Son of Man. And that was a title that Jesus often used of himself. And the guy said, Well, I don't know who the Son of Man is. And Jesus said, I am the Son of Man. And the healed man then said, Lord, I believe. And he began to worship Jesus. And so not only had this blind man been physically healed, not only had he received physical sight, he had been spiritually healed. He now was saved. And we'll be able to talk to him in heaven one day and hear how his story, how his life was changed through this miracle. And so Jesus is the light of the world. Those who believe in Jesus Christ are transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. And Jesus calls us as believers to let our light shine and dispel the darkness around us. And as we let our light shine and we don't hide our lights, we're instructed in other passages, don't hide your light. We're tempted, you know, letting your light shine is not politically correct today, is it? Or tempted to hide our lights, but we let our light shine. We want people to notice. And when we let our light shine and people notice, it's going to cause what? It's going to cause controversy. If there's no controversy about your light life, maybe your light isn't shining very brightly. But as we let our light shine, people... Some people will be attracted to Jesus that they see in us. And as we're faithful to being witnesses, as this healed man was, God will touch others. God is still a God of miracles. He still answers prayer. He responds to faith. He heals people when we pray in faith. And God wants to give each one of us hope for greater things. That God would do greater things in our life as we follow him. And if you're here this morning and you've never said, Lord, I believe, as the healed blind man said, Lord, I believe. If you've never said that to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity, an opportunity to see the light of Jesus and have him in your own life. And so this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity. We're going to pray in a minute to to invite Jesus Christ into your life if you've Never done that before. It's a a step that you take. It it doesn't happen automatically. It's not like, you know, he just slowly comes in. It's, it's, It's a decision you have to make to open the door of your heart to allow him to come in. And don't put it off. If you're here this morning and you've never done it, not a single one of us knows how long an opportunity God will give us to open the door for him to come in. Not a single one of us knows how long our lives are going to be. And when our lives are over, the opportunity is over for us to invite Jesus Christ into our lives. And so we're going to pray a simple prayer. If you've never opened the door of your heart to Jesus Christ this morning, I encourage you to pray along with me. So let's bow our heads. If you're not sure that you're a believer this morning or you'd like to recommit your life to him, I'd encourage you to pray this prayer in your own heart as I pray. Say, Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've been following my plan for my life and not yours. I ask you to forgive me. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross and paid the penalty for my sin. And I believe he rose from the dead. And I invite him into my life. I commit my life to following him as my Lord and Savior. To following his plan for my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.